Palm Sunday, Sunday before Easter. Everyone have your new Easter outfit? Working on it? Some said that they've got theirs. I remember when I was a kid, oh my goodness, I always had a new Easter outfit. And 99 times out of 100, I hated it. My mom would dress me in little pink shorts, little bow tie. The one day a year she had combed my hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was a few times she put it in curlers too. And you wonder why I'm so strange. Well, you know, most of the time on Palm Sunday, we look up to the events leading to the greatest event in human history. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, today I want to do something a little different. Today I want to look at the events that happened after our Lord rose from the dead. And so our text today is coming from the book of Luke. We're going to be in the 24th chapter, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 44. The Word of God says, Then he, being Jesus, said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding. Oh, that's my prayer today, Lord. Open my understanding. That they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you, the disciples, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Verse 50, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And the church said, Amen. You know, it was just a little over a year ago that our country witnessed the swearing in of a new president. And as I watched the festivities on TV, the thought that came to me was, I wonder what President Obama is thinking today. You know, I mean, after eight years of drama, after eight years of excitement, after eight years of being the most powerful man in the world, here he is at the end of his tenure. And as we watched the ceremony, we were watching the changing of the guard, an ushering in of a new era. Well, in our text this morning, it's that same sort of idea that's happening. 
Because what Jesus Christ came to do has been completed. He lived, he died, he rose again to redeem you and me and all mankind from the grips of sin. And in our text today, now we are standing on the precipice of the Holy Spirit being ushered in to take his inaugural reign upon the earth. Jesus accomplished what he came to do. But here's the thing. There are some of you here today whose faith stops at the cross. And because your faith stops at the cross, well, so does your walk with God. You stop at the bloody place of Golgotha and not the victorious place of the empty tomb. You're at the cross, all right, where sin is reckoned with. And so your walk with God is a reflection of that understanding of God. And so because of that, you still wrestle with sin because you've never taken your faith beyond the cross to the resurrection. But you see, in Luke chapter 24, the cross is behind us. Jesus has moved from trying to win the masses to revealing himself to a few. No more 5,000 men plus women and children. No more free fish sandwiches. 1 John chapter 4, 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was on the cross, bloody and beaten, but as he is, risen and alive. And until you see him as he is, you will never walk in the resurrected power of who Jesus Christ created you to be. And so because of that, there are times our faith is stuck at the cross. And we cannot see him where he is right now. And so we pick up the story after Mary had rushed into the room to tell the other disciples, the stone has been rolled away. The grave's empty. He's gone. This is after the earthquake, after the graves opening up all over Jerusalem, after the veil in the temple had been ripped from the top to the bottom. And so Jesus is now with his disciples, just chilling, having a meal. And he begins to talk to them. And he uses the scriptures of the Psalms and the law of Moses to convince them that all of the Old Testament was actually him. Just hidden. And verse 45 says, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. In other words, Jesus moved from giving them simply information to giving them revelation. Now, you can hear it. All day long, you can read it all day long, but until you get a revelation from God, you're never going to understand it. Because the God that we serve cannot be explained. He must be revealed. And it is such a blessing to see Him in all of His glory. Now, I'm all for seminaries, I'm all for education, I'm all for intellectualism. Get all you can and can all you get. 
But information means nothing without revelation because it is the revelation from God that shines light on his information that makes it usable in our lives. His revelation is what makes the Word of God soul food. Food for the soul. So Jesus opened their understanding of the Scriptures. Now the Bible says that without a vision, or in other words, without revelation, the people perish. And that's because you cannot deal with what you cannot understand. Now, now, you're trying to understand life, but you need to understand the Scriptures. You're trying to understand your marriage, but you need to understand the Scriptures. You're trying to understand your kids, but you need to understand the Scriptures. Let me help you with that. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their kids. And from the looks of today, if you look around, there's a lot of people that don't like their kids very much. Don't worry, I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to meddle anymore. All the old people said amen, and all the parents say, shut up and quit meddling. <laughs> Understanding the scriptures. It's like someone trying to understand a car, but they won't, won't read the manual. You know how people are? They get in the car, and they just start pushing buttons to see what's going to happen. You know who they are? They're the ones driving down the street on a sunny day with their windshield wipers going and they don't know how to turn them off. <laughs> but you see, friend, that's what you've been doing all your life. You've just been trying stuff. You've just been pushing buttons. You've just been trying different people, different jobs, trying this and trying that. But if you will go back and read the manual, you will find out how things are supposed to operate. And so Jesus is telling the disciples, he said, now I'm getting ready to bring you into a new realm of reality. He says, I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone, and you're going to go forth, and this gospel is going to be preached everywhere in my name. And it's not going to be a Jerusalem thing. It's not going to be a Baptist thing. It's not going to be a Pentecostal thing. It's going to be my thing because I am the I am that I am. And when Jesus told them that his gospel would be preached among all nations, all of a sudden they had revelation and they realized that now he is expecting them to be the catalyst by which change is going to come. He's saying for three years you've been looking at me to be the catalyst. But not anymore. Jesus was telling him, I was just getting you ready. And it's not going to be me taking my message. From now on, it's going to be about you taking my message. You, my disciples, are going to do it. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine how shocked they were? These unlearned, untrained, unsophisticated men were going to expose the world to the kingdom of God? I mean, these were going to be the guys who would stand before the Sanhedrin court and confront the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were the guys who were going to confront the Roman Empire. And I can just imagine, I can imagine them thinking, doesn't he know we're just fishermen? 
Doesn't he know that we just work for the IRS and collect taxes? Jesus, we have no formal training. There's not a rabbi in the bunch. These guys, they have no pedigree. They don't know protocol. And I'm sure one of them piped up and said, Lord, you know how crazy Peter is. I mean, one minute he's cutting off ears, and the next you're going to give him the weight and responsibility of being your voice to the world? Hello? And so that brings up a question. Are you waiting on God to do something? Or is God waiting on you to do something? Are you looking to Him at this moment? Never realizing that He is looking to you at this moment. You know, I'm afraid that many times we become so aware of our deficiencies that we refuse to step into our God-given destiny. I mean, look at these guys. I mean, it's been a crazy month. One of them committed suicide and hanged himself. Another one had gone into complete doubt as to whether Christ was actually authentic or not. And Peter, <laughs> Peter's supposed to be the leader of the band. And what'd he do? He just said, I quit, I'm going fishing. Yet God uses frail people who just a few days ago, they were filled with doubt. They were uncertain as to whether he was who he said he was. And now all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says, I'm going to use you to change the world. I would submit to every person sitting here today that Jesus Christ is saying, I want to use you to change your world. So Jesus, he led them out. He led them out doubting. He led them troubled. He led them confused. Our text says he led them out. He's saying, let's take one last walk together. For the Holy Spirit comes and I move from being with you to living in you. You know, as you read the Gospels, you always see where the disciples, they always resisted when uh, Jesus told them that he was going to have to suffer. But they, they never liked it. They resisted when he told them that he was going to to leave them. But you know, there are some things that you and I resist that God has to lead us step by step and day by day. I mean, after all, Jesus led you into becoming the man that before you couldn't be on your own. I mean, he led you into thinking in a way that you used to resist. But now, God knows how to lead us into a place where he can give us the revelation of the purpose for our life. 
And verse 50 says, he led them out as far as Bethany. Jesus took them to to a favorite place. You know Bethany. Just right over here by War Acres. (laughs) He took them to Bethany. I mean, Bethany, it's the place where he used to stop and hang out with Mary and Martha. The house of Simon the leper was in Bethany. Bethany was where they rolled the stone away and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth! And Jesus is getting ready to leave this earth and he's taking a final look at Bethany. And then then within just a stone's throw, Bethany, I mean, it's just a stone's throw away from Bethpage where the disciples found the donkey for Jesus to ride. You remember when when the people spread palm branches and shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. You see, Jesus is in the same spot, but now he's in another dimension. Isn't it interesting how life will bring you back around full circle and you find yourself in the same spot but in another dimension I mean I may be in the same situation but I'm a different kind of person because you see whatever you are you are my wonderful wife Starla is Starla she will always be Starla now, my sister, on the other hand, she's someone new every day. But that, that's neither here nor there. For the most part, you are who you are. However, there are different levels that you enter as you go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. That was then, but this is now. And as you step into the next dimension, you are in the same place, but you don't need the same things that you needed the last time you were in the same place. What you used to need, you don't need now because you're operating on a different level. Everything Jesus did before was preparing him for where he is right now. What he did with the foal and the palm branches and the cross and his resurrection were steps in the process. It was a rehearsal. But now this is the final act leading the Son of God to his next dimension. And so like I said, look at your life, how it keeps bringing you full circle. And all of a sudden, as you get older, you begin to realize, Lord, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be able to go through this. If I hadn't been able to handle that, I wouldn't be able to handle this now. So Lord, I thank you for leading me into my next dimension and giving me what I need when I need it. And so we're seeing Jesus in his next dimension. He's operating on another level. And as he stood at Bethany and he looked over into the village of Bethpage, Jesus says, now, now, fellas, we've been here before. But that's when we were getting ready to go into the old Jerusalem. You see, when you're getting ready to go into something old, you ride in on a donkey. But when you're getting ready to go into something new, you ride on a cloud. 
And what I'm trying to get you to see today is that you can't use your old tools in your new dimension. What used to work in your old self won't work after you've been through the death, burial, and resurrection of your new birth. So why do you keep doing the same things that you did when you were a sinner? Why do you keep going to the same place, doing the same thing, hanging with the same people? You didn't defeat hell to just operate where you used to operate. You may be in the same place, but you are in a different dimension. But yet we keep doing the same thing over and over again. Jesus said, when I was entering an earthly Jerusalem, I needed a foal. But now that I'm going to heavenly Jerusalem, I need heavenly transportation. The Bible says, set your mind on things that are above. In other words, stop settling for donkeys when God has cloud for you. Don't be satisfied listening to other people sing Hosanna. Move up a little higher and sing with the angels. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God. Before was just a rehearsal, but God wants to get us ready for the final act. And so Jesus is leading them. And he's saying, now, you know how to operate in the old dimension. But now, let me lead you into a new way of doing things, into a new way of thinking. Because now I can show you some things that I couldn't show you before. When you were a child, your speech, your feelings, and thinking were as a child. But when you become an adult, hopefully, you put away childish things. And you move to another level and operate in another dimension. I don't know about you, friend, but I've been in this old dimension long enough. I've been messing with the same old foolishness long enough. I've been playing footsies with the devil long enough. God has to have something more for me, and there is no way that I'm going to be crucified and resurrected in Christ to be who I used to be. I'm going to go to the next dimension. Lord, take me by the hand and lead me there. And when they went as far as Bethany, verse 50 says, Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them. Jesus blessed them. Now, this is the blessing of a high priest. I mean, the highest high priest. I mean, this is a big deal. And if you'll notice something, that after this blessing, you know, there wasn't any more bickering and fighting among the disciples. You know, before they never wanted Jesus to go, but now none of them are, having, are fighting him leaving. A few guys, just a few days ago, Peter said, you guys do what you want, I'm going fishing. A month ago, Thomas said, we can't let him go, we've got to go to Jerusalem and die with him. They didn't want Jesus to leave, but when he blessed them, the glory that fell on them, the revelation that fell on them, the understanding that fell on them changed them forever. Right now, all over this room, put your hands up. Everybody, put your hands up. Put your hands up. And I say, I declare as pastor, I declare a blessing on you. I declare a blessing on your house, a blessing on your mind. I declare a blessing on your prayer life, a blessing on your ministry, a blessing on your family. I declare no weapon formed against you will prosper. I declare every chain in your life shall be broken. Every yoke shall be destroyed. I declare this is the season of your destiny. This is the season of your prophecy. I declare you will come out of your yesterday and you will receive what God has 
has promised you today. I declare that you shall be the head and not the tail. I declare you shall be above and not beneath. And I proclaim that and declare that in the powerful name of Jehovah God, Jesus Christ. If you receive that blessing, say amen. amen. And give him praise. The blessings of Almighty God is on this house. We just have to receive them. And so while Jesus was blessing them, they were praising him. While he was blessing him, they were praising him. The more he blessed them, the more they praised him. People are always wanting to know, what's the secret of success? How do I become successful? How do I make it? How do I live? How do I do this? How can I be better than I was yesterday? What are the five steps? Blah, 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 blah. This is the cycle of success. The more you praise God, the more he will bless you. The more you praise God, the more he will bless you. The more you praise him, the more you lift him up, the more you give him the glory, the more he blesses you. If you praise him more, he will bless you more. And if he blesses you more, you ought to be praising him more. And when Jesus started out blessing them, they started out praising him, but he started out on one level. But the more he blessed them, they started seeing him go up to another level. Into another dimension. Now understand, these are the same guys. This same bunch of guys, they're the ones who saw Jesus go down. They saw him get whipped. They saw him get nailed. They saw him pierced in the side. They saw him placed in the tomb. But now these are the same men, and they're saying, wait a minute. Not only did he take the sting out of death, he pulled victory out of the grave. And now he is standing here on what used to hold him down, but even gravity cannot hold him anymore. And while they were praising him, Jesus started lifting up, and he said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Sin couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. The only thing left to give up was gravity, and gravity said, I can't hold him either. My point is, friend, whatever is holding you down in your life, it is no match for Jesus Christ when you start praising him. And so while Jesus was blessing them, he started lifting higher and higher and higher until they could no longer see him. But as he went... Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said that Jesus said to them, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to the end of the earth. I'm coming back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And verse 52 of our text says they became so happy, they became so filled with joy that they left Bethany and went to the temple praising and blessing God. And I want you to know Thomas had no doubt that Jesus was Lord. Peter had no fear. In fact, he preached to the same people that he had denied Jesus to because he had gone to another level. They went to another level because Jesus said, even greater work shall you do because I go to my father's house. Jesus left them on the 40th day and they went into a 10-day praise. 
They went into a 10-day shout. They went into a 10-day thanksgiving. And so for the next 10 days, I challenge you, stop complaining. You ought to stop worrying. You ought to stop bickering. You ought to even stop cussing. For the next 10 days, you ought to go into a Holy Ghost praise and glorify God. And then in Acts, the story continues when it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And tongues like fire set upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. You see, they began to glorify God And they started operating in the next dimension. And when their shadow fell on people, they were healed. When they laid hands on people, they recovered. They were the same fishermen. They were the same tax collectors. But they were operating on a different level. And so here's my point. Like I mentioned in my introduction, there are some of you whose faith it stopped at the cross. I mean, you're at the cross where sin is reckoned with. But you're still wrestling with sin because you've never taken your faith beyond the cross to the resurrection. And so, is Jesus, is Jesus really alive to you? We know he made it to the cross, but do, do we really know that, that he got off the cross? Do we really receive everything that the resurrection holds for us? I mean, every one of these disciples who deserted Jesus at the cross, when they touched his nail-scarred hands and they saw him go up in the clouds and they received the Holy Spirit, not one of them ever recanted their story. None of them changed their mind. You know, if someone is facing a chopping block, if someone is going to be crucified upside down, most people would say, now, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. Hang on. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made it up. I was just, I was just joking. Just a big joke. Ha, ha. When their life was on the line, they didn't change their story. And so if it was real for them, then it needed to be real for us. If it was life-changing for them, it ought to be life-changing for us. Is your relationship with Jesus really worth dying for? Well, if it is, you need to understand that Jesus did not die for you just to come and sit in church. When was the last time you witnessed to somebody? I mean, we've got room. When was the last time you got out of your comfort zone and understood the responsibility of being a true follower of Jesus Christ? Friend, Jesus is here today, and he is standing here with a big smile on his face and his arms wide open 
But you have to understand, he is waiting on this side of the cross. You see, Jesus gave the disciples revelation, but it was on this side of the cross. And Jesus has revelation for you today, but it's on this side of the cross. The disciples lived their lives, and they never took it back, even in the face of death. Is Jesus that important to us? Would you stand with me? All over the room. Altar workers, elders, would you come and take your place? Bow your heads with me, if you would, for just a second as they come. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and we praise your name. Father, during this sobering time, as we saw what those who gave their lives to proclaim this gospel, what they went through, Lord, I pray right now that we thank you that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. That we don't really face persecution like early Christians did or like Christians do in other parts of the world. But Lord, we certainly have our own cross to bear. We certainly have our own battles that we have to fight in this country, in our state, in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our home. And Lord, I pray right now that as we examine ourselves, we see the glory of your resurrection. We see the glory of your presence. We see the glory of your blessing in our life. And we pick up the cross to be a true follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his precious name we pray, amen. The disciples, they preached, they built churches, they healed the sick, they raised the dead. All of them but one, history tells us, was murdered. But yet they counted it all joy. What is going to be said about you? What is going to be said about me? Friend, it doesn't matter what we've done up to this point. The most important thing is what we do from this point forward. What will we do to be the catalyst to change the world for Jesus Christ? Will we suffer for our Lord and Savior? I know we think we have troubles. I know we think that we go through things, and we do. We all face difficulties. But none of the disciples ever took it back, even in the face of death. What will we do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? The singers are going to minister. These altars are open. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm just going to open up the altars. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would touch each and every one of us. And if you need prayer, these are the most wonderful, loving people in the world. They would love 
to pray with you. And I invite you to come right now. Right now, come, and they would love to pray with you. Whether, whether you need healing in your body, whether you need forgiveness or sin, no matter what is going on in your life, there is revelation on this side of the cross. There is revelation on this side of the cross. And Jesus is waiting.